Hey, Emma, what's the best sunscreen? This is episode 86 of the Missing Color of Health podcast, and this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because, well, I'm a fair-skinned redhead. Sunscreen for me is non-negotiable. Some would argue the best sunscreen is the one you'll wear, and I don't disagree. Some of you might be ready to shut me out right now because I know there are a number in my community who don't believe sunscreen is necessary at all. I'll let you make your own decisions on that, and I'll subscribe to the you-do-you mentality. But the general consensus among cancer prevention agencies is that sunscreen is an important part of your skincare routine. Choosing one, however, can be daunting, especially when you are interested in navigating ingredients and toxicity. In this episode, I'm going to break down some of the common messaging around sunscreens, from coral reef damage to benzene to chemical versus mineral safety and how you can navigate it all. My intention with this episode is so that you can read articles, give very different information from one another, and be able to navigate it more successfully and confidently and understand the root of the issue so that you can make better decisions going forward. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. All right, let's dive into how to choose a non-toxic sunscreen. First off, some definitions around the two different types of sunscreens. Mineral sunblocks use zinc oxide and or titanium dioxide as the active ingredients. They sit on top of your skin and physically block the sun's UVA and UVB rays from damaging your skin. Conventional chemical sunscreens or sunscreen filters absorb the sun's UV rays, preventing skin damage. They typically include a combination of avobenzone, homosalate, octosalate, octinoxate, octocrylene, and oxybenzone. You don't need to remember all those, but you've probably seen them on packages. Notice the difference between the word sunblock and sunscreen. I'm going to use sunscreen as a general term for both, but technically sunscreen are the chemical filters and a sunblock are mineral. Okay, so what are the issues with choosing a sunscreen? I'm going to break down some of the major ones, and these are concerns that I think have been getting most attention lately, and they're ones that you might see in blogs or 
news articles or even in marketing on certain sunscreen products. These are coral reef bleaching, hormone disrupting and carcinogenic active ingredients, the problem with spray sunscreens, reports of benzene contamination, and I'll briefly touch on inactive ingredient safety. First up, coral reefs. Now, why should we care about coral reefs? Well, healthy reefs are incredibly important ecosystems. They provide food, protect shorelines and coastal ecosystems from strong tides and waves, are carbon dioxide sinks, help clean the water, and provide tourism, which can both be a pro and a con, but for communities that depend on tourism to survive, it's important to consider. Coral reefs are threatened by a number of factors, including rising sea temperatures and increased storms caused by climate change, pollution runoff from land and sewage disposal, and disease. Some research suggests that another threat is the ingredients used in sunscreen. Oxybenone and octinoxate are two chemicals thought to be contributing to coral reef bleaching in particular and viral spread, making the reefs more susceptible to death. According to the National Park Service in the U.S., 14,000 tons of sunscreen enter coral reefs each year. Based on this and the research on sunscreen ingredients, Hawaii banned the sale of sunscreen containing oxybenzone and octinoxate as of January 1st. The studies looking at these are sparse, and it's a challenging relationship to confirm without a shadow of a doubt, given the challenge in replicating ocean conditions in a lab. The National Academy of Sciences is actually undergoing a study right now to evaluate the available science, and this is expected to be completed in 2022. It's May at the time of this recording, and this report has not yet been published, but it's definitely something to watch out for. I'm sure it will make headlines. I do think that this is an important relationship to understand, especially as tourism is expected to increase and studies show higher temperatures exacerbate the impact of these ingredients on the coral. So more tourism, more sunscreen wearing bodies in the water. And if temperatures get higher, which they are, thank you, climate change, then it could be a bit of a loop because climate change is increasing temperatures and contributing to more coral coral damage, which could also contribute to more climate change. We owe it to the reefs to act with the precautionary principle until we can get more concrete evidence that sunscreens do not cause harm, in my opinion anyways. Other ingredients to avoid for reef health include petrolatum and other petroleum-based ingredients as they don't readily biodegrade and they can be harmful for aquatic life. Titanium dioxide also does not biodegrade and it may be harmful to sea life in high quantities, though it wasn't included in the studies that I referenced earlier. All this being said, I would like to make one thing very clear. Avoiding the chemicals reported to cause coral reef bleaching in your sunscreen is not going to single-handedly save the reefs. That flight from the Northern Hemisphere to a tropical island in the Caribbean or Australia is doing more harm to the reefs than your sunscreen is. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone for flying, but it had to be said because putting all of this pressure on sunscreens as being the thing that is causing harm to the reefs gives a false sense of security. And I think it's almost allowing countries like the U.S. to think that they're doing something about it, even if it's just one state, Hawaii, for banning these when there is so much more to be done for climate change and reef health. Okay, the other issue is that some common active ingredients are suspected to be hormone disruptors, 
And titanium dioxide is actually a known carcinogen. I know. What? Right? I'll get into that. First, hormone disruptors. Now, it was previously thought that chemical sunscreen ingredients weren't absorbed through the skin, so the ingredients and products did not have to be fully studied. In 2018, the FDA commissioned a study, and it found that common sunscreen ingredients, including oxybenzone and avobenzone, were absorbed at significantly higher concentrations than previously expected. In addition, oxybenzone has been found in human breast milk, amniotic fluid, urine, and blood plasma. A follow-up study in 2019 found similar results with additional common ingredients, and in that year, the FDA proposed updates to its product registrar for ingredients that are considered generally recognized as safe and effective, or GRACE. They reviewed several chemical sunscreen ingredients, including oxybenzone, benzophenones, 2-ethylhexyl-4-methoxycinamate, homosalate, 2-ethylhexyl, and PABA, to name a few. They report, and quote, the potential adverse effects introduced by UV filters in experimental animals include reproductive developmental toxicity and disturbance of hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis. Few human studies have investigated potential side effects of UV filters, although human exposure is high as UV filters in sunscreens are rapidly absorbed from the skin. One of the UV filters, BP3, has been found in 96% of urine samples in the U.S. and several UV filters in 85% of Swiss breast milk samples. It seems pertinent to evaluate whether exposure to UV filters contribute to possible adverse effects on the developing organs of fetuses and children. Now, that was a long quote, but I wanted to quote because this is the FDA we're talking about, and they're acknowledging that we do not have data to say that these are safe, despite them being allowed to be used in products for many, many years. They did find that there was sufficient safety data in their mind to support zinc oxide and titanium dioxide up to concentrations of 25% in products. They concluded that there's insufficient data to determine whether the following ingredients are safe and effective. Again, I'll list these out. I don't expect you to memorize them, but I think it's important to hear them so that when you start seeing them on labels, you understand that the FDA has recognized that we do not have sufficient safety data. Ensulazole, homosalate, meridimate, octinoxate, octinsalate, octocrylene, patamate, etc., etc., and oxybenzone and avobenzone are on that list as well. I probably butchered the pronunciation of some of those, but you get the idea. Now, the European Commission has published preliminary opinions on the safety of oxybenzone and homosalate and determined that the levels at which they are currently used are not safe. They have proposed a concentration limit of 2.2% for oxybenzone, 6% is currently allowed in the U.S. and Canada, and 1.4% for homosalate, and 15% is currently allowed for that. So we're looking at levels significantly higher than what the European Commission is suggesting for a health protective level. Now, often when we talk about toxicity of chemical sunscreen ingredients, people like to point out the fact that the International Agency for Research on Cancer designates titanium dioxide as a carcinogen. And this is from studies that show inhalation exposure in animals increases the risk of lung cancer. That being said, it is understood that titanium dioxide does not penetrate through healthy skin, 
And there is no evidence to date to suggest risk to human health from skin exposure. However, this is yet another reason why aerosolized spray sunscreens should be avoided. Zinc oxide, the other mineral found in natural sunscreens, shows low skin penetration and no concerns when applied on the skin within regulatory limits, which is again 25%. Now, you'll also see mention of nano or non-nano alongside zinc and titanium dioxide on product packages. Nanoparticles are favored often because they're smaller and they allow manufacturers to provide coverage without that white cast that makes some people shy away from natural sunscreens. But with smaller particles comes more uncertainty. We don't, as of yet, have substantial evidence that nanoparticles of zinc oxide or titanium dioxide cross the skin in significant levels. The concern when inhaled, however, is more significant as the lungs can be particularly susceptible to these small particles. Again, why I don't recommend aerosol sunscreen at all. Another issue you may have heard about is contamination with benzene. This hit newsstands in 2021 after a U.S. pharmaceutical product testing company tested almost 300 sunscreen and aftersun products and found detectable levels of benzene, which is a known carcinogen, in about 27% of them. The most contaminated products were 80% of them were sprays. So yet another reason to avoid spray products. Now, benzene in these products isn't necessarily some evil act of conventional manufacturers, as some people want to spin it. The benzene was likely due to contamination during the manufacturing process, rather than an intentionally added ingredient. There's no safe limit for benzene exposure, but know that we're exposed to it pretty much every day, unfortunately. It is a known carcinogen that is released naturally from volcanoes and forest fires, but the rest of us who don't live near those are exposed through vehicle exhaust and it's also used in the early parts of manufacture for a slew of products from cleaners to plastics to pesticides. This study really shows that greater oversight into manufacturing processes is required. And speaking of oversight, I want to address research that has been used to say zinc oxide is toxic as well. A 2021 study set out to look at the impact of sunscreen ingredient mixtures because the authors state that sunscreen safety and efficacy is generally evaluated based on individual chemicals in a formulation. However, the photostability, so how stable the ingredients are under light conditions, has been shown to be highly dependent on the mixture of chemicals present. And when they looked at a combination of or when they looked at products that used a combination of chemical UV filters and zinc oxide, they found that the zinc oxide caused photodegradation that didn't exist in products that used chemical UV filters alone, reducing the effectiveness of UV protection. It also increased toxicity in the zebrafish that they were using for this study. This study did not look at products that used strictly mineral sunblocks, so titanium dioxide and zinc oxide combos. Because consumers started looking for more mineral-based sunscreens, manufacturers started adding zinc oxide to their chemical sunscreen formulas. Really, I think it was just so that they could slap on the front of the label that it was a mineral sunscreen, which is totally bogus because it often contains not enough zinc to be considered an active ingredient, and they're still using the 
chemical sunscreen filters as the primary active ingredient, but it contains zinc and so they can market it. And so it makes it look like a mineral product that people are looking for without necessarily thinking about the impact that these researchers found between the interaction of zinc oxide and the chemical UV filters. And this makes label reading so important because the front of the package will advertise the zinc. But if you turn it over and read the full ingredient list, you will see that it's not the only active ingredient. And that's what you should be paying attention to. So this study tells us that sunscreens containing both zinc oxide and chemical UV filters may cause more harm than good. And if you're going with a chemical filter product, skip the ones that include zinc oxide. Another concerning ingredient or group of ingredients are PFOS, per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. I talk about this with respect to Teflon and waterproofing coatings and stain guard on couches. But studies have looked at PFAS concentrations in skincare and cosmetics products and have found sunscreen to be among the highest levels and in the most number of products tested. And this is probably because PFAS are often used to improve water resistance and longevity of a product. It can be hard to identify these on the label as there are so many chemicals under this class, but one tip is to avoid any ingredient with fluoro in the name. Other inactive ingredients to watch for follow the same rules as for other skincare products. And you can listen to episode 70 and check out my free label reading guide available at greenathome.ca forward slash learn for more info on reading labels and what to look for. Typical ingredients in sunscreens to watch for include petrolatum, phthalates, and fragrance. Okay, so now that I've made you feel like no sunscreen is safe and you want to crawl into a hole, let's break it down and make it a little bit more practical, shall we? Because the last thing I want to do is leave you feeling terrified. Now, there is no perfect sunscreen product. Your first course of action should be to minimize its use wherever possible through other means, which I will go into in a sec. The research that exists suggests zinc oxide and titanium dioxide are overall safer alternatives to many chemical sunscreen ingredients. This is based on the information available at this time. Note that they need to be formulated correctly with approved particle types that are coded to reduce photoactivity that can contribute to skin damage. And they need to be in proper concentrations and mixed properly and more to, to make sure that the, the whole product contains the right concentration and it's not sectioned out in the product with because it's not mixed properly in order to achieve the desired SPF. And this is one reason I do not recommend homemade sunscreen. And I know that goes against the grain for a lot of folks in this space. But if you're going for SPF, I think this is something that you really need to be careful about. I also do not recommend just using carrot oil or a combination of natural oils that you can find in homemade sunscreen recipes all over the internet. These plant oils are not necessarily stable enough to maintain their SPF protection, nor are they typically broad spectrum. So you're not getting the complete sun protection that you would from a commercial product, unfortunately. The research on chemical sunscreens is evolving. There is data su to suggest potential for hormone disruption, though the exposure through sunscreen alone isn't concrete. We know that hormone disruptors do act in very low concentrations and are widespread in our environment and our homes, and we are exposed to them in so many ways beyond sunscreen. So I believe a precautionary approach here is important. 
If you've been using a chemical sunscreen for years, please don't sweat about it. I only switched myself over in my late 20s, and that's not something that I'm stressing about. But going forward, for me, all signs still point to mineral sunblocks being preferred where possible. The available options are improving every year, and I'm seeing more options for darker skin too, which is great because mineral-based products don't rub in as well and are thicker, and they tend to leave a white cast, which isn't ideal for many people. So if you've tried a mineral sunscreen in the past and you hated it, so have I. I really struggled for a long time finding a product that worked, and I have really pale skin and it's easy to rub in, and I struggled with it. So I know that people with more pigment in their skin, I can totally understand the hesitation but they really have come a long way. There are some other things you might want to think about when choosing a sunscreen as well. For example, SPF. Now, higher SPF isn't always better. There is a maximum that makes sense, and that's SPF 50. And there are some labeling rules around SPF, and you're not supposed to say that any SPF higher than 50. And this is because SPF 50 blocks 98% of UVB rays. Anything higher really offers little additional protection. And so if you're comparing SPF 50 to SPF 75, you might think the 75 is going to be a lot better. But in reality, SPF 15 blocks 93% of UVB rays, SPF 30 blocks 97, and SPF 50 blocks 98. So it is not a linear scale. You also want to look for sunscreen labeled broads spectrum or UVA and UVB protection. As I just alluded to, SPF only measures UVB protection effectiveness. This is the radiation that contributes to skin cancer and is the main cause of sunburn. However, UVA rays also accelerate skin aging and can contribute to skin cancer. So you want to make sure that the ingredients have both UVA and UVB protective properties. Another ingredient to pay attention to is retinal palmitate. This is a form of vitamin A that Health Canada guidelines indicate may increase the skin sensitivity to sun. So the opposite of what you want a sunscreen to do. It can be found in face creams, for example, because vitamin A is often used as a nourishing ingredient. However, we should hesitate using sunscreens with vitamin A because the FDA studies have indicated that it can cause changes to cells when exposed to UVA radiation. So sunscreen should really be your last line of defense when enjoying time outdoors. Wear long sleeves, wide brim hats, sunglasses, and try to avoid being in the sun in the middle of the day wherever possible. But when you're out in the sun, a sunscreen, whether it be mineral or a chemical filter, is typically recommended by most healthcare professionals. And yes, I'm not really going to talk about the vitamin D factor here, but vitamin D does get impacted, like your body's ability to make vitamin D does get impacted by the amount that you wear sunscreen. And so it wasn't really a surprise to me who I need to cover up, wear sunscreen pretty much all the time, all year round, I was vitamin D deficient. So it's important to get yourself checked for that because a lot of us, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, just don't get enough sun exposure to produce vitamin D. So if you're concerned, 
see your healthcare practitioner. I am not going to give product recommendations here because I want this episode to arm you with knowledge to help you decipher articles and reports that you might read and hear about so that you can feel confident in your choices going forward. And if I include product recommendations, the podcast can get outdated quite quickly. So I have a blog post that I will link in the show notes that lists some of my favorite sunscreens at that time. And this is something that we talk about in our client group too, navigating labels in more detail, helping eliminate analysis paralysis, and more product tips and tricks along the way. If this kind of support is something you're craving, be sure to check out our membership, The Healthy Home Collective at greenathome.ca forward slash collective. Until next time, be well. I do hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you over in my free Facebook group. It's a great place to get feedback from over 4,000 super supportive members and where I share bonus trainings and content to help make your healthy home journey easier. Just type green product forum in the search bar in Facebook or head into the show notes where you'll find all the places you can find me online. Until next time, have a great day.